Welcome to Founder Views. My name is Costa. I'm your host and co-founder of Web for Realty, a SaaS company that I bootstrapped out of my parents' basement with no money and no tech experience into a fully remote company doing seven figures in ARR. I'm taking you through my SaaS journey in real time as I talk about business situations I'm going through, thinking about, or just find interesting. My purpose is not to give you the answers, but to spark something in your mind that can help improve your business along the way. One of the most powerful ways to add value to your customers and leads is to communicate with them effectively. Our company uses customer IO for all of our email and SMS communication and marketing with clients and leads. Customer.io helps us engage with clients at the right time, depending on the actions they make or don't make within our app. We're able to put our clients into custom segments. We can create custom email or SMS nurturing campaigns. Uh, or we can send out one-off broadcasts or newsletters to specific groups. The flexibility and customization ability is off the charts. With Customer I.O., we're now able to send the right communication to the right people at the right time. On top of the amazing functionality, the UI of the app is absolutely incredible. I'm a non-technical person, and I'm in there almost every single day working on email sequences and campaigns and just monitoring results. So if you want to step up your communication with your clients and leads, or if you want to just improve the level of engagement and value you provide your clients, I highly recommend customer.io. Go to customer.io slash founderviews and sign up. That's customer.io slash founderviews. Let them know I sent you. They'll definitely take care of you. Believe me, you won't regret it. I'm speaking with automation and efficiency guru or automation geek, as he likes to call himself, Will Christensen, uh, the co-founder of Data Automation. Uh, Almost all companies of any size struggle with efficiency and waste countless hours with redundant and manual work. Will specializes in helping SaaS companies save time through automating workflows. We talk about ways data automation helps SaaS companies save time through automation, how he's grown his company to uh, over $1 million in uh, revenue. Uh, We talk about specific marketing channels he's using to attract more business and much, much more. Uh, Will also shares some of his favorite automation and efficiency hacks, which are absolutely gems. Uh, This was such a really great episode with key actionable insights that will really help you see the importance of efficiency in your business. So enough of the intro. You're definitely going to enjoy this episode. Here it is. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the Founder Views podcast. Really appreciate appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be here. Amazing. So, so you run dataautomation.com. Um, Correct. You help companies save time by connecting software. I really want to unpack that in some detail, of course, but uh, why don't you kick things off by just telling us a bit about yourself and your background? Okay, perfect. So, uh, like you said before, I'm Will Christensen. I run uh, data automation. Um, I am uh, what you would call a complete nerd when it comes to efficiency and new gadgets and automation and things like that. Um, I uh, have been running data automation. um, It's been about three and a half, four years now that we've been in the automation space. Um, Originally started out in the marketing world, um, got pushed into uh, spreadsheets and all of the above when I was the low man on the totem pole at a marketing agency and 
pretty quickly discovered that there was opportunity to optimize and make some processes more efficient and found out that I really loved that. That's my passion. My passion is to, to make things more efficient, to help people uh, take back some of their time, take back some of that efficiency. And uh, that's what got me here uh, to, to where I am today. And we, we can go into more of those details, but that's essentially um, where that came from. That's amazing. Yeah, definitely very important. Which a lot of companies lack in sort of the efficiency department, which which I've definitely noticed as well. And, and some bigger companies too, where you're shocked at how they operate sometimes. But um, yeah, yeah so that's, no, it's that's interesting. Mind blowing. I, I remember one company we went into and uh, it just did kind of an audit and uh, they were literally uh, printing things out in one place and then taking them over into a scanner to combine a PDF document. So they'd print out like multiple PDF documents and then they'd put that whole stack of documents on a scanner and get them in. And, and that's how they were merging PDFs. Yeah, um, that's crazy. And, and, <laughs> and that's just, that's just the way that, uh, that the individual who's working there had, had figured it out on their own. Um, and, and I mean, it's, it's hard sometimes, right? That's, that's part of where automation uh, becomes an issue is you can spend a lot of time trying to automate something and end up, you know, completely falling flat on your face and getting frustrated to the point where you won't go search for more automation because it can be such a, a long rabbit hole with no reward um, if you're looking in the wrong place. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, that was similar. Like I, I know this one company, obviously I'm not going to name them. They're probably doing like between 15 and 20 million. So it's like a, a big company and uh, I've heard exactly what they're doing, but the manual processes that they had in place when I saw that I, I was sh totally shocked. Um, cause you, you know, you think like, you know, in my company, for example, we're much smaller than 15, 20 million, but you know, we're, I, I think we're, we're pretty efficient in that sense. So when I saw, you know, uh, this huge company that's way bigger than us doing things the way they were, it was, it was pretty mind blowing. So I was, um, eye opening in the sense that, wow, a lot of companies are sort of, uh, still very old school in their, in their operation. So that's where data automation comes in your company. But um, so let's unpack that a bit. Like what, what exactly do you do and like who do you help? Let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we specifically work with two different groups of people. Um, one is the founders of SaaS companies or the, the owners, directors of, of SaaS companies. Um, and we help them integrate their platforms together, push things around that way. Um, so, you know, we've worked with uh, Intuit, Square, several large companies, as well as some um, smaller ones. Um, we've worked with uh, different, different SaaS companies to help them connect the dots. So specifically, we're, we're Zapier certified experts and we're um, Zapier development partners as well. And so Zapier is a platform that helps you kind of connect those dots from point A to point B. And we help SaaS companies build a connection to Zapier so that their customers can then use Zapier to take data, say, from MailChimp and put it into a spreadsheet or from QuickBooks and put it into a spreadsheet or QuickBooks to, you know, a CRM. Um, so we, we've specifically focused down a lot of our efforts, uh, to try to make that a little easier. Um, and the other group of people that we help are the actual users of automation platforms like Zapier. So we go out and help a company, uh, take those manual processes and completely eliminate them. I tell people 
Um, I am actually the only person on earth who can sell the one thing money can't buy. I, I sell time. Um, I, I will give that back to you. Um, and, and I tease a little bit about being a time Lord sometimes, uh, total nerd here, total nerd. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Um, so do you work with companies that, that don't use Zapier? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, okay. so Zapier is just one of those tools that we're very, very familiar with. I've, I've got hundreds of hours logged on their platform, um, and, and understand it, you know, very, very well. Um, as we got deeper and deeper into automating with that platform and others, we um, essentially became API experts. So um, that's really where we shine is, is we're very familiar with every single protocol you can imagine to transfer data back and forth between two different systems, even to the point where we've built a, a Chrome extension that allows you to get at data that doesn't have an API. So, you know, you've got some task that you're doing inside some platform extracting data and pushing it over into a spreadsheet. We've built a Chrome extension um, that can actually do that automated task for you without you sharing the password with us. So we've got a lot of uh, really cool technology to eliminate uh, the, the manual processes that are just slowing businesses down and not allowing them to scale. Yeah. Okay. That, that sounds incredible. Um, so most of my listeners are folks in SaaS. So, you know, and I'm not a, a super highly technical person as well, but can, can you describe just a, a simple practical use case of how data automation, your company can help the average SaaS company or, you know, oh, yeah. example? So, so, um, one of the coolest things that we do for SaaS companies is we make it so that when, individuals come to you and say, Hey, are you guys connected to X, Y, or Z? Like, are you, are you connected to QuickBooks? Are you connected to that one CRM? Everybody stopped using 10 years ago, but we're not going to stop using. Are you connected to that? We make it so people can say, actually we might be. And, uh, they, they work with us as a preferred development partner so that, um, that their reps don't have to say no to that question all the time. So we've, we've partnered with companies like Skubana. They're a, 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 an ERP system uh, that we're partnered with and, and ShipStation. That's another one in the, in the e-commerce space specifically. Um, and, and others, uh, you know, we're partnered with Infusionsoft and a few others that, that essentially when the sales team gets that question and says, Hey, are you guys connected to X, Y, or Z? Um, if they don't have a Zapier integration already, we can help build a Zapier integration if they do have a Zapier integration already, um, the sales rep can say, well, we're not connected to that yet because I don't see it in Zapier's repertoire, but we have this company that has a very inexpensive way to help you build out some custom things either on Zapier or elsewise to tackle that data transformation. Because that seems to be a pretty common thing um, that people walk away from. It, it doesn't get to where you want to go. Um, and so... That, that's really where we shine is coming in and helping people um, tackle some of those unconnectable things, either through the Chrome extension or other, other ways. Love it. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so what, what's your background? Like, are you a developer yourself or? Great question. So uh, I graduated from high, uh, from, from high school, from college. I did graduate from high school, <laughs> uh, graduated from college with a degree in marketing um, and uh, entrepreneurship and uh, went and worked for a, a marketing agency for a while. And I mentioned I was the low man on the totem pole. And when you're the low man on the totem pole, you get all the really fun things like copying and pasting. 
Um, and they told me, Hey, look, uh, here's your job. Um, two full days of your week is going to be aggregating reports that we can send out to our clients. So I was literally doing 16 hours of, uh, of manual copy, paste, copy, paste. And I was like, there has got to be a better way. Um, I was introduced to a V lookup and my mind was blown. Uh, this was like eight years ago. Um, I was so shocked that that was even like, like that you could connect two spreadsheets together. And so, um, that actually, uh, springboarded me into, uh, probably 300 hours of self-teaching where I took that, uh, 16 hour process and I cut it down into two hours. So I, I was able to make my Excel, uh, open up a web browser and actually log into different platforms. I didn't even know what an API was at the time. Um, but I got so excited about this idea of taking apart manual processes and, and learning how to tackle those different things that I, I quickly, you know, learned to develop, um, inside Excel at the time. And if, if there are any true developers on the line, they're like, Excel, that's not even real development. And, and I'll be honest, it's not, there's a lot of things about, uh, writing code in visual basic that are kind of cheating because you're working with a database that's kind of overlaid and everything. But um, that's kind of where my, my first foray went into that. And I quickly, uh, after that, uh, started digging into JavaScript and Node.js and several other languages to kind of uh, help propel things along and quickly uh, onboarded some other way smarter people than me uh, to become, you know, to basically assemble a team of API experts. So my background uh, is more the sales and marketing side of things. Um, but I taught myself a fair amount of that and discovered that, you know, my passion was helping people automate. So um, pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Did that uh, marketing company you're working with end up like implementing uh, your hack with with their manual process? Great question. So um, we, we, we basically went through and, and I, I took this 16 hour process and eventually, I mean, this was at the time um, when there weren't a lot of like, uh, dashboarding companies. That wasn't, you know, a, a super common thing. We, we had interviewed several, but they just didn't have all the connections we wanted. So we were stuck doing it in Excel, copying, pasting, downloading all of those reports. And so the thing that I built was not even close to scalable. It, it was something that was very specific to my reports and everything that were there. And we ended up moving away from some of that and, and adopting a full-blown dashboarding SaaS platform um, to handle that. And, and frankly, if you can if you can do it, there are some amazing dashboarding tools out there now. Uh, Google Data Studio, uh, to, to share a hack, so to speak. Um, Google Data Studio is a powerful, powerful tool with some amazing connectors to help you create a dashboard, and it's free right now. I mean, eventually, I'm sure Google will put some sort of payment wall in front of it. But as of right now, it's a completely free tool that... Um, competes with Domo or Tableau um, in terms of, of what it's capable of. So that that specific company with that specific uh, process, it, it ended up not being something that lasted too much longer than me after I was there. Um, but man, did I enjoy uh, the 14 hours of, of uh, additional time uh, during the week to, to work on other things besides manually copying and pasting. I bet. I bet. All right. That, that's great. Um, just for some context, like, you know, where are you at today in terms of company size? Yeah. So, um, we're on track, uh, to do, um, about, uh, a million, a million a year in, uh, in 2021. Um, as of right now, I, th- I think we're, we're 
we're we're getting uh, to a team size of you know four to five developers um, and a couple of uh, sales support and project managers. So not a very large company, but we are able to help um, companies large and small. Like I mentioned before, we've worked with um, Intuit and uh, and Square and several others in helping them tackle some of their um, nitty gritty processes and building native integrations for them, as well as just helping customers um, nice, do what they need nice. to, to connect. Yeah. And so total team size, uh, is it eight in total? I yeah. I think offline. Yeah. Yep. All right. Awesome. So four or five developers, a couple of sales support, and that includes yourself as well in the eight. Correct. Yep. Okay. And we're completely distributed. So, um, we're, I've got, you know, a couple of guys back East. I've got two in the Philippines, uh, two in Chicago and my, and myself. So we're kind of, um, all over the board. And then I've got, uh, several developers that we use, you know, freelance here and there to kind of, uh, tackle some of the ebb and flow that comes in building businesses. Awesome. That's what I was going to ask next, if you were remote. So that's cool. What are you bootstrapped? Like any funding for the operation? Great question. Great question. Yeah. So, um, data automation started with a tech incubator that's based out of Athens, Georgia called Roundsphere. Um, Roundsphere is, uh, the same company, uh, that, uh, helped found and create seller labs, which is a, a pretty common SaaS tool for Amazon sellers. Um, they, they've created feedback genius and scope and ignite and a couple of other things like that. Um, Brandon Checkets is one of the main founders there. And, um, he was one of the, one of the people at the tech incubator that I pitched, uh, on creating, um, data automation. And so he's, he's a partner in the business and, and that's where, um, our funding came from. So it's, it's, I wouldn't call it uh, full blown, you know, external investors by any means. Um, but, uh, something that we've, we've developed internally at the tech incubator. If you're in SaaS and you accept recurring revenue, probably the most important tool you need is a revenue management platform. It wasn't until we implemented Chargeify where we became a real SaaS company. Chargeify helps manage all of our subscribers. We're able to create different product categories, create add-on components, and charge clients for one-time services. They also provide deep revenue and churn metrics so you know exactly where your business stands at any point in time. One of my favorite features is the ability to customize your Dunning strategy sequence so you can recover as much revenue as possible that alone will pay for the software and then some chargeify is so incredibly featureful it can integrate with any processor with a few clicks Uh, i'm a numbers and finance guy and i can't imagine running a SaaS company without chargeify from a revenue collection and finance point of view chargeify literally does it all if you want to step up your business and become a real SaaS company look no further than chargeify now i'm able to provide an exclusive promo to my listeners i'm getting you the first month of chargeify completely free plus free premium onboarding the thing is the deal is only good until the next month so if you're thinking about making a switch i highly suggest acting on it quickly Uh, it will be the best decision you make i promise you and they have to know that i sent you to get the promo that's very important so go to the show notes in this episode and click on the link to chargeify that's how they're going to know i sent you go to the show notes click on the link to chargeify so you can get the first month free and free premium onboarding if you want to supercharge your SaaS business, use Chargeify. You won't regret it. Nice. That's awesome. Okay. Um, 
And you're, you're in Georgia as well? Great question. So I was in Georgia until just about three months ago, and then we uh, recently moved uh, to Utah to be a little closer to family. So I'm in Salt Lake City, so Silicon Slope, so to speak. Um, okay, nice. And uh, yeah, the team's kind of all over the place. So Nice. All right. Awesome. Um, all right. Perfect. So, you know, from my lens, I think like you offer a service that obviously is super valuable, super important for companies. Um, but at the same time, I would probably classify it as sort of complex. You know, it's one of those services where I can see a lot of people not really seeing the value or understanding how exactly you can help them right away just because like, of the like infinite use cases pretty much. But like, how do you overcome that in your marketing and sales? Man, I'll tell you what, um, that is probably one of our number one challenges, um, is, is getting up over the hub of the, the education, um, people not even beginning to understand that this stuff's possible. Um, cause that really is the, the crux of it, right? People, people have been doing this the same way for years and years and years, and they don't even understand that the thing they're doing is, you know, it's possible to improve that process by 400%, um, with some time investment. So one of the things that we've discovered is our most powerful asset is, um, partners. So, uh, reaching out to people who have a large audience and then it, and then connecting with them. So Zapier is a perfect example. Um, they have a, a development uh, program that we became certified to go through all of the hoops and everything that they needed so that they could recommend us as a preferred development partner for connecting. So, you know, SaaS companies that ask Zapier, Hey, I don't really have the development bandwidth to take this on, but I've got some cash. I'd love to throw at somebody to build this. Um, we're one of the companies that they recommend. And, and that partnership, the relationship that we have, the referral partnership is by far one of the most effective ways that I've found to get around the education problem. Because um, someone like Zapier or, you know, HubSpot or, you know, one of these other large entities has already done all of the work of creating a relationship of trust there. And, uh, they have a felt need here because, you know, they, they need people to specialize in these other areas. And so, uh, getting referrals and, and those sorts of things, those are the sorts of leads that do far and above better for us than anything we bring in through, you know, paid search or some of these other tools. So we, we do some of that outbound stuff as well, but, um, a partner network is by far the most effective way I've found to get around the education barrier. Yeah. And, and that, that's an amazing partner to have Zapier with, uh, with their, their scale and growth. So that, that's awesome. Um, I want to talk about some of your marketing that you do today and what works well, but you know, um, sticking with sales and marketing, like a lot of my listeners are like early stage founders, entrepreneurs. And one of the most common questions I get is about gaining traction early on and getting your, your first handful of customers. So, you know, before the certification with Zapier and having these partners, uh, what were the early days? Like, how did you get your earliest customers? So earliest customers, it was all about finding someone who had a need and filling that need, right? So you're just kind of scrambling to, to figure out exactly what the world needs, right? Um, I would definitely recommend, and, and you're going to get to this later as we've talked about, but I would definitely recommend a book called The Lean Startup. Um, 
does some fantastic things explaining how to pivot or persevere, uh, how to stick to uh, a business plan or move away from it. Um, I tell people the number one thing you've got to do before you ever have any semblance of a prototype is get people to open their wallets. Um, so, you know, you're, you're like, Oh, I've got this new app idea. Everybody in their dogs got a new app idea. Um, the, the very first thing you've got to do is get people to actually open their wallets. So if your app idea is, uh, relevant enough that you're talking to like your dad and, and you're like, Oh dad, there's this, this new app idea I've got, it's going to help you organize all of your contacts better and, and groups. And, it, and it's only going to cost a dollar a month. It's, it's really, really cool. Your dad's going to shower praise on you. Anybody's going to shower praise on you all day long. Cause that's like the atypical entrepreneur, like facing the odds. The moment you turn around and say, cool, I'd love your credit card information so that I can get you set up. I won't charge it until the app is live, but this is essentially you saying, yeah, I'll buy that. Um, as soon as it goes live. So I'm not going to tell you when I start charging your credit card, I'll, I'll just reach out and say, Hey, you can download the app. Now I've started charging your credit card. As soon as you, you ask that person to open their wallet, that's when you find the why nots. That's where you find, Oh crap. Yeah. This thing's not going to work. So if you've, if you've got a, an idea, start pitching it to people just like Kickstarter does, you know, open it up and say, Hey, would you be willing to buy this for five bucks? And if you can get people to say, Oh yeah, I totally would. And here's five bucks. And, and, and they trust you enough to refund them if it doesn't go anywhere or to put a credit card on file and charge them. If it does go somewhere, that's when you know you have a product idea until you can get people to actually open their, their wallets. It's time to, it, that you can, you can pivot without ever actually building anything. Um, it's, it, I don't know that if I were to say like, how do you get those first couple of customers, ask people to open their wallets and pivot until you get people to say, yeah, I'll put my credit card on file. I love that. You know, that's, that's awesome. I sort of have a, a motto or saying that, that I go by, you know, the typical framework for anything like business is like, you know, get ready, aim, and then fire for me, you know, it's all about being ready you fire and then you aim sort of as you go and you speak to customers and, and yep. figure it out along the way. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that's awesome. Uh, one thing you said, so, you know, early on, it's just like you said, finding someone who has the need. So like, how did you even like go about finding people with the need? Oh, the, the coolest part about the internet today is nothing is private, right? I mean, and that's the coolest and scariest part, right. About the internet is nothing is private. Um, you can find people, um, in any niche you want to, and you can do it for basically nothing. Um, Facebook, if you've, if you've not done this yet and you're trying to get out there and you've got a new SaaS product, you've got an idea that you want to go play with, go into Facebook and start messing around with some of their targeting. It will blow your mind with what's capable of getting there. And it doesn't cost much to get people to a landing page to get them to start talking about stuff. Um, it, you know, that's one way. The other way that I would say that is completely free is doing LinkedIn searches. So, um, you know, build your network in LinkedIn, uh, connect to as many people as you possibly can connect to people who have a thousand plus connections and ask them to help you. You'd be surprised at what people are willing to do. Like, uh, you know, uh, especially founders who've, who've hoed that row already. Um, they're, they're very commonly, uh, willing to, to help you kind of get to that next level. So, um, another very common thing that I see is Facebook groups. 
Um, there's a Facebook group for just about everything. And so if you've got a product that you're looking to do, you got to be careful about like immediately asking people to open their wallets. Um, you, you get labeled as spam pretty quickly when you do that. But if you go out and you say, Hey, look, you know, I'm looking to build a company and I'm looking for some beta testers, or I'm looking for some people who can just tell me if my idea is not worth anything. People like to be experts. They like to be seen as experts. And so uh, reaching out there and, and finding out who that is. I mean, one of the first steps is just knowing who the flip your audience is, right? If you don't know um, who you're supposed to be talking to, how do you go find them? But uh, yeah, defining who that is and then tracking them down on LinkedIn or Facebook or just using your, your network, call all of your aunts, uncles, and cousins and say, hey, do you know anybody who does this or who you know, has this sort of niche? You'd be surprised at what your little network has access to if you're just willing to open up your mouth and ask questions to people. And if you do it in the right way, it's not a multi-level marketing thing. It's not a, you know, you're going to ruin Christmas dinner or, or Thanksgiving dinner sort of thing. You can, you can get out there and find the right people. Uh, I couldn't agree more. You know, one thing I find is that too many people just try and get too fancy early on. Uh, just jump right into the paid channels and just think just because they have a fancy new app, people are just going to automatically buy from you. But um, again, coming from a, a bootstrap perspective like myself, you know, there's nothing wrong with that old school. Pick up the phone, call your network, like, you know, utilize these amazing resources that you mentioned online, like Facebook and LinkedIn and, and just get out there and start, you know, getting your feet wet and speak to people. So, so that's awesome. Amazing suggestions there. Um, so let's, let's sort of fast forward to today. So you mentioned partnerships is a big, uh, sort of growth channel for you specifically with Zapier. Uh, would you say that's like the primary lead channel to, to generate new business for you right now? Partnerships is, I wouldn't say Zapier is specifically, mm -hmm. um, they were for a long time, but we've since expanded and, and grown, uh, to, to, to work through lots of different channels. So I mean, we have a paid search campaign that does bring in uh, so, some things there. And, and our paid search campaign is specifically targeted around um, those different uh, opportunities. So, you know, we're totally looking for people who are looking for connections to the different partners. So Partners is by far the first channel that I would go after. And that's going to tell you a lot about who your customer really is because those are the ones who are actually, you know, paying you money um, and, and helping you get to, to where you need to go. Um, so it, it's, it's really about um, finding, finding the right person, right? right person that you can talk to for sure oh, that's awesome so so you got the partnerships going the, the paid ads which seem to be working great um do you do any like outbound sales at all still yep uh so we we actually run a campaign where we specifically target uh SaaS founders um and we do cold email outreach to them in a very polite way uh but we we find uh individuals who you know we ask them hey are you the right person to talk to about a zapier integration um and i can't tell you the number of times i get an email back saying man your timing is impeccable like we were just talking about building a zapier integration and then and then we connect and, and those campaigns we run uh via linkedin um and uh and via tools like email hunter um, or Snowvio or some of these others that allow you to kind of guess at what, what some of, some of it's, some of, some of the different cold email, um, pieces are out there. 
Yeah. Awesome. I was going to ask you like about that. You sort of answered it, but like, how, how do you reach or find the decision maker is just like using one of these like Snowvio or Hunter and, uh, you know, making a good guess, I guess, on who like the CEO or, or person is and just well, asking them. So, I mean, it's not expensive. Um, I mean, it can be if you're just starting out as just you, but sales navigator is not, you know, for, for LinkedIn is not a very expensive tool. Um, and that thing basically opens up the world in terms of like, you can target people on, on, on sales navigator based on what other types of software they're using. So like, you can be like, I want to talk to companies that are using Shopify. You can totally filter to companies that are using Shopify using sales navigator. Like there are layers of data that they've put in there that have made that tool so valuable. And once you know the first and last name of that individual, if you do some quick, you know, uh, email discovery or, or reverse engineering of emails, there's so many different companies out there. Like I mentioned, email hunter or, um, or, uh, Snowvio that, that quickly will help you discover what those email addresses are. Um, so that you can go there. There are also, um, companies out there that, uh, will curate lists of, of people that you can use. I always uh, tell people to use those with a grain of salt. If somebody's like, Oh yeah, I've got, you know, for a thousand bucks, I'll give you every SaaS company in the world. You got to be a little careful with some of that stuff because I found that those sorts of lists are generally riddled with, you know, uh, things that will get you blocked and um, just situations where it's not as good. So you have to be careful with who's curating lists. Um, and I generally don't recommend that. I recommend, you know, finding uh, a virtual assistant um, minor in the Philippines that got, you know, there's guys in South Africa all over the place, finding a virtual assistant and teaching them how to do it, do it yourself, you know, uh, dig, dig through, figure out how to find those uh, different people using those tools and then, uh, you know, create your own harvesting campaign to kind of tackle and find some of those individuals that are out there. Yeah, I totally agree. I think one of the main parts of doing outbound successfully is having like a really good and accurate like list. Um, so honestly, the very first step when you're doing outbound, the first step is to figure out who you should even be talking to. I mean, if they're, you know, knowing that you're talking to the right, uh, right customer base, um, is like the number one thing I would recommend. And so, like you said, like, um, you know, ready, fire, aim, um, go down and track down um, who it is that you're talking to. And, and some of the things that I discovered, like if, I, if I'm going back to that analogy where I'm selling that contacts app to my dad, um, when he says, well, I, I just don't know if I could give you my credit card. It's not because he doesn't trust you. He's your dad, right? So you can throw that out the window. It's not, that's not the issue. Okay, well, why, why not, dad? Like, obviously, you know, I'm not going to use your credit card for anything nefarious here. And, and he's going to tell you the why nots. Well, it's because, you know, honestly, I just don't use contact groups that often on my phone. And you'd be like, well, wait a minute. That was one of my assumptions. I assumed that you use contact groups a lot because you're a general contractor and you have all these lists of subs and, and all that stuff. I thought, I thought that was something you used all the time. And you pretty quickly discover, oh, general contractors are not one of my personas. My, my customer avatar should not include that type of person. And so that's why I say like, ask people to open their wallets so they can tell you why not so that you can figure out who your customer avatar really is. And you can do that before you even build anything. 
For sure. Yeah. Absolutely love that. You, you mentioned a couple of tools already, but I'm curious, like what are some of your like favorite tools that you use personally or your company uses to stay more productive and efficient? And coming Absolutely. from a, an efficiency expert here, I'm curious to, <laughs> to hear what you're using. Uh, so I'm, I'm constantly on the lookout for new tools in, in keeping myself uh, more efficient um, in terms of communication. I mean, this is going to sound like the no brainer of all no brainers, but we use Slack for our internal communication. And I've actually started to push my customers towards Slack as well, using the uh, free single channel guest uh, opportunities that are inside Slack. So you can, you can invite someone to a Slack channel and they don't have to be part of, they're not part of anything else except that one channel. Um, and I love that. Uh, I love the ability to interact with them on a real time basis. And so you obviously have to be careful about who you let into that sort of an intimate relationship with your business. But, um, the efficiency that's gained between having the opportunity for the developer to be in the same channel as the customers, even if the developer mutes the channel and all that you just tell them, Hey, once a week, you just go read through these conversations that our customer support teams having with the customer, like removing that barrier between them and the end customer. I found to be very effective in helping them do a better job at developing things. So Slack and uh, single channel guests, you get five free uh, single channel guests for every paid user you have on Slack. Um, Slack also does, uh, it was in beta for a while. Now it's, you know, out there, everybody can use it where you can connect uh, two different uh, companies. So you can have a shared Slack channel between two different companies. And I have multiple companies that I'm sharing a Slack channel with. Um, so, so Slack is probably one of my number one um, tools that I use for productivity. Um, another one that I use a lot, obviously, is Zapier, and I've got all sorts of different Zaps uh, set up for myself. Uh, one of the features on Zapier that's very, um, it's not very well known, uh, but that I love is Zapier actually has a Chrome extension where you can create any form you want. So let's say that a common thing that's happening is a customer complaint and you want to log those customer complaints in a database, um, like an Airtable or something like that. We'll get to Airtable here in a second because that's one I use a lot. Um, I can go into that little Chrome extension, uh, define my form and the you know customer name, customer email, complaint, type of complaint, that kind of thing. I fill it out and then I hit send and that it essentially allows me to have a form on any page that I want on my web browser. So, you know, allows me to have instantaneous access to push things to that database without having to go and keep that open in a separate tab and go find it later. Um, so it reduces my context switching. So that's called push by Zapier. Um, nice. You can also okay. just, you know, you can click a button and have it go there. Um, I've got like, probably 10 or 15 others that I could share. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Airtable. How do you use Airtable? Oh my gosh. Airtable is honestly, with well, the first time I came across Airtable, I thought it was going to be a Google spreadsheets killer. Um, I thought, you know, Airtable is totally going to kill Google spreadsheets. And then I got into it a little more deeply and I discovered that there are uh, specific use cases that are way better for either one. So if you're doing a lot of calculation and, and, you know, uh, try to build a business plan, Airtable is probably not your, your right tool. But if you're trying to track, track uh, survey responses or build a homegrown CRM or uh, track like product launch and features and things like that, Airtable is amazing. 
Um, it essentially puts a relational database in the hands of a user. So think Google Sheets. And if you're a developer, you hate Google Sheets because you can't do relational databases. You can't connect two different spreadsheets together and and, and look at look at some of those those pieces. But in Airtable, I can take and I can say, okay, this is a CRM. In this uh, tab, I have all my jobs. In this tab, I have all of my customers. And in this tab, I have time tracking associated with those jobs. You can have those three separate tabs and have them linked together. So you can tell all of the time tracking that's associated with which job and which job is associated with which customer. And so you can build in all sorts of custom views and it's very easy to connect those different fields together. So Airtable is just an invaluable tool when it comes to relational databases. And it comes with a free API. Four calls a second, up to 1,500 rows, completely free. I have, uh, I have completely prototyped SaaS products that use nothing for their back end except an Airtable. Um, wow. Because it, it's just so, I mean, and it's fun because uh, I have developers that are like, oh yeah, I can totally prototype that faster than you. And I'm like, how long would it take you to spin up a database, hook up an API gateway or something so that it's got, got what it is and add a whole bunch of columns and get it there. And they're like, oh, you know, I could probably do that in a day or I could do that in a couple of hours. I'm like, okay, cool. Ready? Go. And then I go in, open up an Airtable, and in 30 or 40 seconds, I have a functioning API with all the fields that I want. I'm like, so uh, have you got your you know, database spun up yet? Because I'm done. I mean, it, it's... <laughs> It's, it's crazy what's there. So it's not as flexible, right? Like, so if you're a developer, you're going to be like, well, you can't do this. You're right. You can't do that. But for prototyping, it's invaluable. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, a few people, a few guests on, on this show have, have uh, mentioned Airtable. Uh, it's one, uh, admittedly, I haven't dived into yet, but um, definitely should. If you're doing uh, any, yeah. like, like your editorial calendar, what are, you, what are you currently storing your editorial calendar in, Costa? Google Sheets. Okay. So I challenge you, we'll do a follow-up podcast on this. I challenge you to, to put that in there or we should do it together and we should screen share and I'll show you how to put that editorial calendar into an Airtable and I'll blow your mind with what we can automate um, just by you know connecting that to Zapier and I mean all sorts of crazy stuff. It's, it's so right. fun. I'm going to take you up on that. Do it. Do <laughs> nice. It. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit. So you're, uh, you're now a team of eight, uh, fully remote, which is amazing. You know, one thing, one of the things I've learned over the years is how, how seriously important team building and cohesiveness is in your team. You know, you truly can't build a great company without having a great team behind you. So how important is building the right team to you? Like, do you do anything to promote company culture and team building within uh, data automation? Oh my gosh. Uh, team building is, uh, I mean, and you mentioned one of the questions, how do you, how do you cultivate a good team? Um, I found that, you know, building a company uh, is totally made or broken based on the team that you can put in place and how well you can uh, lead that team. And I found that more important almost than leading it is getting the right butts in the right seats. Uh, like they talk about in um, good to great. Um, the right people on the bus, right? Um, the biggest thing I would say there is um, know yourself. So know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and where you are weak, go find someone who is strong and be humble enough to take their advice. 
So, you know, if, if your weakness is, you know, operations, um, and, uh, your strength is sales, go find someone who's strong in operations and offer them some equity or offer them an appropriate compensation for getting involved in your business, uh, to, to build it the way that it needs to be built. Um, the second thing I would say after you know yourself um, is know what those roles look like. So there's a, a book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Um, I would definitely recommend reading that one and understanding the roles in your company. It talks about like, you know, what does your company look like when it's done? And I've always thought that was a strange way to put it. When it's done? What do you mean when it's done? Um, if you can decide what those roles look like and then picture the ideal person who has some unique talents and skills that are natural, right? Some people are just naturally good at keeping track of things. Some people are just naturally good at sales. Some people are just naturally good at, at, you know, being a developer and programming. And so I would say that, um, you know, it's super important for you to, uh, look at, uh, you know, what are those natural talents? What do they look like? And then make sure that when you are hiring, that you use a personality test of some kind to track down what that actually looks like. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter what personality test, you know, uh, red, yellow, blue, white, uh, the disc test, um, Colby. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Colby. Um, you know, whatever personality test you can find out there, go take it yourself and then imagine what that ideal person who's filling that role would look like. And when you do that interview, tell them, look, I'm trying to find somebody who's going to be naturally good at some of the stuff that's here. I can see you have a lot of these things on paper. Will you please take this test? And my network is expansive. Please be honest. Don't, don't just answer this in whatever way you think I want to be, because that's going to come out later. We're both going to see that, that, that you weren't exactly the right person for that role. But on top of that, if you can show me who you really are, I have an expansive network and I can get, and then you'll get a little more of an honest answer. Um, so personality tests, um, and, and knowing yourself, I would say the two biggest things for building the right team. Great suggestions. Do you still do the hiring at your company? Yes. At this point, uh, I'm, I'm kind of in that, that front row seat. Um, I have Mm. some external resources that I use for some of that. Uh, you know, we, we have a, a project management company that actually, uh, leases us product project managers, so to speak. And so they help us with a lot of the recruiting and, and stuff like that in that situation. But, um, in some situations I'm, I'm the dude who's putting up the job post. So, yeah, nice. I, I love the, I do the hiring as well. I love the, the personality test. I, I haven't used that yet, but I think that which one uh, you said is your favorite Colby Colby. So Col- Colby, it's like 30 or 40 bucks uh, to get somebody to take the Colby. Um, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll start out with a, another personality test. Like there's a couple of free disc personality tests that take, you know, all of, uh, 20 to 30 minutes to, to fill out. And that it's, it's like 25 questions or something like that. And it'll, it'll give you a lot of insight into who people are. Now, obviously people can game the system. Um, they can, they can answer it the way you expect them to answer, but it's a lot easier or excuse me, a lot harder to lie on one of those than it is to lie in an interview. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of like someone looks like the perfect person on paper and then they look like the perfect person in the interview and you get two months into it and you're like, how the heck did we hire you for this position? Oh yeah. Um, That's why I like to have like a a few interviews. 
Like there's yeah. been a bunch of times where, you know, someone's resume looks perfect, their email responses are perfect. The first interview is fantastic. And you're like, you know what, this person definitely getting hired. And then the second interview comes around, which is like a little different format. Um, then things start coming out and you you just have a totally new perspective on this person. So it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. The, the, that would, I would say that my number one thing that I've done um, that, that's made us a little more effective is that personality test. Um, because it's really like we, I had the choice between uh, two different people for my customer service position and my gut said, go with one guy and the test came back and it was like obvious that I should go with the other one. And I went with the one uh, that was, that was, you know, based on the personality test results. And, you know, I talked to a mentor and several people and they're like, yeah, like I can totally see where you're coming from, but that sounds like the better option. And I, I was floored that they've done such a good job because they're, they're way more of a natural fit. I, there's a, a, a just a lot to be said in using some empirical data uh, to help you make that decision because your gut can often uh, be wrong. So true. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so another question I have, so, you know, you're, you're a CEO of a growing company, obviously uh, I'm sure you're wearing multiple hats at all times. So, you know, this is a difficult question to answer for most people, but what does a typical day look like for you as CEO of data automation? I mean, I'm, uh, in, in the weeds constantly. Um, and then I have to kind of pull up and say, okay, wait, am I actually in the weeds right now? Or should I actually be in the weeds? Um, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, I'm, um, jumping in and, and brainstorming with the developers about different, uh, complex issues that they're facing, you know, brainstorming around how to get around some of those issues, um, I'm meeting with the project manager to see how the different, uh, projects are progressing. We're scheduling out work. Um, I'm taking, I'm our, our main salesperson right now too. So I'm, I'm taking a lot of sales calls, um, and, and connecting those dots. Um, we're bringing on a new executive virtual assistant to help me, um, be a little more organized to be a little more of a gatekeeper. I mean, I'll, I'll be frank. One of my, uh, weaknesses is my ability to say no, to, to set boundaries that way. Right. Like I'm, I want to help everybody. And so because I've recognized that as a weakness, I specifically went out and found myself a, uh, virtual, uh, an executive virtual assistant who has no problem setting boundaries at all. Um, and so she, I'm basically going to have her be my gatekeeper, right. To, to protect some of that precious time that I have where that's a weakness of mine. So it's, it's all about, you know, discovering, uh, how to more appropriately allocate those resources and, you know, find people who are strong where you're weak. Yeah. Awesome. And in a nutshell, no day is, is alike. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, day in the life of I'm, I'm doing a lot of calls for partnerships and then jumping in and helping people connect those dots. I, I, there's getting to be a lot more stability and and where things are going as we've gotten more people in the right roles. But I I would say my number one task as a, as a CEO is putting the right butt in the right seat and then evaluating, you know, did I put the right person there um, so that the, the company can grow as it, as we move forward. Nice. That's awesome. So what's next for, for data automation? Where do you see the company in the next, you know, one to two years? Um, I mean, our, our, 
our goal right now for, for this year is to um, essentially freeze the team and uh, get our, our processes in place so that we've got it exactly where it needs to go. All of the systems are running um, uh, saying we're going to say no a lot this year. Um, uh, we're going to say no so that we can say yes. Um, that's a, a big, uh, a big problem that, that a lot of companies face. And, and that's been a huge thing for us to kind of get better at. Um, I love that. Say no a lot. So you, you can eventually say yes. And that, mm-hmm. that's funny what you said. That's sort of where my company was at like this past year, just like, you know, freezing the team, getting the process in place, like saying no. Uh, and then like, so we can like, get ready for, for that, for that growth, which is exciting. Yeah, I mean, in the very beginning, I was saying yes to everything because you kind of needed to hit payroll and see where, see where it worked. And, and sometimes you have to kind of do that at the beginning, but as quickly as you can discover what it is that's actually, you know, generating real value and then stop saying yes. <laughs> like, that's right. True. Like get yeah. down, choose, choose those three things that you will do and everything else tell them, Hey, sorry, you know, can't help you there. And, and I, I won't lie. I've got some things that I totally moonlight, but I specifically have said data automation will not do this. Will Christensen's other company that, you know, he's doing some moonlighting, but then I've, I've drawn a boundary around data automation, say, this is what my main focus is. And if, if it comes outside of that, then it needs to happen outside of my data automation hours. So, yeah. um, it gives you the ability to say, say no. And yes, when you're, when you're, when you're working on it. For sure. I love that. So, uh, Will, I do want to be mindful of your time here. Um, I do end off each chat with what I call the Founders Three. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. All right. Number one, you mentioned a couple already, but uh, your favorite business book? Um, it's going to be split down the middle. I'm going to bring up both of those ones that I brought up before. Um, the E-Myth and the Lean Startup. Um, I, I think that one on its own doesn't really cover what you really face as an entrepreneur, but both together, you know, the E-Myth talks a lot about kind of building a business and, and where to go with it. And the Lean Startup talks about pivoting and persevering. And so if you combine the two, you decide what it should look like and then whether to pivot or persevere. Um, those would be my two yeah. business Love Great, great recommendations. And number two, your favorite vacation spot. Um, my favorite vacation spot would probably be, I mean, it, it's kind of ranges anywhere in the mountains with a really solid, uh, view, um, and, and, you know, somewhere you can get in some, some nature. There's some really good stuff here in Utah, um, park city and others that just beautiful, um, somewhere with a lake, uh, you know, looking at, looking at it that way. So amazing. Awesome. And, uh, lastly, if you can go back, what's the one thing you wish you knew when you were just starting out in business? Oh, the number one thing I wish I'd known, um, I, it was probably what my weaknesses are. Um, I didn't have a really solid picture of what a lot of my weaknesses were. And so I tried really hard to be someone that I wasn't, um, it wasn't true to me. Right. So if I could go back, I really wish that I, I knew what some of those weaknesses were so that I could better, um, let go of some of those responsibilities that I shouldn't have been in charge of. Um, it, that's probably my number one thing that I, I, knowing myself better when I got started so that when it came time to change or when it came time to humble, be humble and, and help have somebody else help me learn some of those things. Um, we, we could have grown 
um, or I could have grown the company, grown my career a lot faster had I been a little more humble and, you know, self-aware. So yeah, that's kind of what, yeah, I, no. what I'd say there. Amazing insights. That's great. And, uh, where's the best place to find you if someone wanted to reach out? Absolutely. So, uh, will at dataautomation.com is my email address. Um, so you can totally uh, hit me up via email, um, or call the main line of data automation at this current moment in time. It's me who picks that up. So, um, yeah, no, that's, nice. that's probably the, the number one way you can catch me, um, awesome. is there. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much, man. You, you know, you definitely dropped some great gems in this episode, some amazing recommendations and efficiency tips that will definitely be invaluable to a lot of the listeners, I'm sure. So uh, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. I'm glad we were able to connect. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to uh, doing that follow-up podcast yes. on uh, <laughs> how to tear apart your editorial calendar and put it back together <laughs> in Airtable. Done deal. Thank you so much, uh, Will. uh, And have uh, an amazing new year. Wish you all the best. You as well. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear it. Be sure to check out founderviews.com for my latest posts and episodes on my journey with everything SaaS, business, and startups. Talk to you later. Peace.